Good afternoon and welcome to the Legal Legal Show. This is your host, Tony Dodds. To call into the show, the number is 863-682-1430. That's 863-682-1430. To contact me at my office, the number is 863-688-2389. That's 863-688-2389. My office is conveniently located at 904 South Missouri Avenue in Lakeland. That is directly behind the old Southside Dry Cleaners that's in downtown Lakeland that's right off of South Florida Avenue. I'm literally directly behind their building. Today I'm going to do the show on a topic that I get asked quite frequently by people that are both clients as well as just the general population of people that have been through uh, this type of litigation, and that is why do divorces take so long? Well, that's really kind of a relative statement. Their idea of taking so long may not really be that long in the big picture of the legal system. Um, I understand their their problem, if, especially if they're a litigant in it. Uh, they want to get rid of the other party as far as being married to them. I, I get it. I understand that while well, they may have been in love with them at one point in time or thought they were in love with the other party at one point in time, they may not long, may no longer be in love with them and don't want anything to do with them, and they just want to be finished with them. It's a lot easier to get married than it is to get divorced, and maybe we need to switch that up a little bit. Maybe it needs to be a little harder to get married to begin with, and we might sort out some of this divorce issue before it ever even happens. But right now, that's just not the way it works. You know, to get married now, pretty much all you have to do is go down to the courthouse, and I say courthouse, to the clerk's office, and request a marriage license, and assuming you're not already married to somebody else, which would cause problems with polygamy in this state, uh, that, you know, if you have been married to somebody else, you've had a divorce, then you just ask for the marriage license, pay the fee, and you're ready to go at that point. In fact, every year at Valentine's Day, at least for the past several years, I don't know how they'll deal with it this year. I think last year they had some issues concerning uh, Valentine's Day ceremonies, but the clerk would do a giant ceremony on Valentine's Day for people wanting to get married. And sometimes they'd have as many as 100 different couples that would come down to get married as part of this mass ceremony on Valentine's Day. So it's real easy to get married. It's not that hard. The problem is once you've been married, then getting divorced. And if, if people get to the point where their marriage is, quote, irretrievably broken, end quote, and, and again, we do not have to have grounds in the state of Florida, although some of our judges kind of want, not ours, but some judges in some jurisdictions still to this day want to hear why the people are getting a divorce. Uh, we don't need to show that. We just need to tell the court or have the client tell the court under oath that they don't want to be married to the other party anymore and the marriage is irretrievably broken, and there's some other jurisdictional testimony that has to be taken. And at that point, the court then just proceeds to deal with the remainder of the the allegations or issues to be dealt with in the divorce uh, to determine the items that need to be determined by the court. But the real issue, and and there's about five different areas I've divided this up into as to why divorces take so long, Again, a lot of people say, well, my, my case is 90 days old. It's three months old. Why am I not divorced? Well, okay, it, it just isn't that simple. There's a lot of things that have to be done. 
And there's a lot of things that can impact how long it takes. And then we get into six months into it. Well, why am I not divorced? Well, okay, there's still issues. And I'm going to tackle a lot of those issues uh, during this program to try to explain why divorces take the length of time that they take uh, in order to get them to a finality. The first thing that we need to talk about as far as why divorces take so long is that there's a volume of paperwork that has to be done on divorce cases. Um, you have the initial petition for dissolution of marriage that's filed by whoever is requesting the divorce. And basically, it is a, a complaint, much like a civil complaint, that's filed with the court requesting the court to dissolve the marriage, uh, to find that the court has jurisdiction over the parties and the subject matter, and for certain things to be done a certain way as far as either assets, debts, alimony, um, child support, division of property that they might have. There's a whole lot of different things that might go into that petition for dissolution of marriage. But you have to file the petition for dissolution of marriage. Along with it, though, is also supposed to, supposed to be what's called a financial affidavit. Uh, we do have different formats for that here in in. Florida, as well as even within our own county, there's two different formats. I tend to use the long form on every divorce simply because that way everything is divulged. Now, basically, a financial affidavit is an affidavit, a sworn document that's sworn to by our client that outlines the income uh, withholdings like uh, uh, retirement, income taxes, uh, Social Security, Medicare, uh, any insur health insurance, life insurance. Uh, their monthly expenses, uh, bank accounts, assets, including the home and vehicles and jewelry and furniture and guns. And uh, I mean, I, I'm not going to go down the whole laundry list, but it's basically anything that's an asset, uh, any bank accounts, like I said, any kind of retirement accounts. It's supposed to list all of that on it, but it also goes into their monthly expenses on it their rent and or mortgage payments. It, it talks about electric bills. Uh, haircuts, amounts of money spent on a monthly basis based on uh, their clothing. I, I'm trying to stress to you this form's like five pages long, folks. It's not a piece of paper that's just one page that's filled out and submitted. So there is that documentation that has to be prepared, and we give it to our client for them to be able to fill out. There's also what's called a UCCJA. Now, I think they've changed the name of it at this point, but it has the same basic purpose. It used to be called the Uniform Child Custody Jurisdiction Act, and it basically lists if the people have any children that are minors, where those children have lived for the past five years. And that's so that the court can make sure that they have uh, complete disclosures to where those kids are at for jurisdictional purposes. I've got more of this to go over uh, after the break. You've been listening to Talk Radio 96.7 FM and 1430 AM. Welcome back to the Legal Legal Show. This is your host, Tony Dodds. Uh, to call into the show, the number is 863-682-1430. That's 863-682-1430. To contact me at the office, the number is 863-688-2389. That's 863-688-2389. I, I'm trying to address today why divorces take so long. Uh, at least that's the perception from a lot of the clients and just the general population. When, in fact, they're really not go taking as long as you may think based on the amount of work that goes into them. 
Uh, we've gone over a lot of the paperwork that's required and is necessary uh, to even get the divorce started, the whole process started. But I haven't finished that even. The, the next aspect, after looking at whether or not there's a, a need for what's called a UCCJA, is then there is a list of mandatory disclosure that is required, uh, at least within this county, and basically it's generally statewide, uh, that includes copies of tax returns, W-2s, uh, bank statements, mortgages, loans, stocks, retirement accounts. Um, we have to have copies of all that to verify what is listed in the financial affidavit. And people go, well, why do we have to do that? Because people lie. Let's just be honest about it. And I don't want to file a financial affidavit with the court that my client has not represented the truthful amounts on uh, when, in fact, their bank accounts will show something different later on. It, it's counterproductive. It does not put them in a good light for the court. So if we've got those documents and I can look at them, and we see their tax return, and they're only claiming that they're making 5000 a month, and in which they've made $74,000 last year, well, I hate to tell you this, folks, that doesn't add up. There's a reason. Something's wrong there. Now, if it turns out they've had a pay cut, and we can document the pay cut, that's a whole different issue. But I, I don't want them saying, well, I only make five grand a month when they actually make about 6500 or so. That, that makes no sense. And it's not going to make them look good in front of a judge. Uh, they need to be honest about things. And uh, the more honesty we have at times, the better off we are. So, I mean, they're going to be under oath. They've got to be honest. That's the whole idea behind an oath. So there's mandatory disclosure that we've got to have so that we can provide it to the opposing side. And that way we have documented to show what's in the financial affidavit is accurate. Uh, so even starting a divorce, as you can tell by what we've just gone over, there is a tremendous amount of work that goes into that. Well, all of those things then have to be served on their spouse, um, their husband or wife, depending on which they are. And that takes using a process server who has to then go out and locate them. They may not be living together anymore, and it, sometimes parties don't tell each other where they've moved to. And there's reasons behind that. If there's any kind of domestic violence associated with it, a lot of times they don't want the other side knowing where they're at. But the process server then has to find that person and literally serve them with it. The party they are serving then has 20 days from the day they are served with the petition uh, to respond. Now, they can either respond themselves in the form of writing an answer to the complaint uh, and filing it with the clerk's office, or they can hire an attorney themselves and file that. The attorney files the response on their behalf. They also have to file a financial affidavit. Uh, they do not necessarily have to file a UCCJA unless they dispute the one that's been filed, but they also have to comply with mandatory disclosure. And a lot of people go, why do they have to do that if the other party's already done it? Well, not everybody has joint accounts. So the first party is obligated to file and disclose the stuff that they're jointly on as well as their own, but they would not necessarily have access or knowledge of all of the accounts of the other party. Some husbands and wives do not share that information with each other. It, whatever works for them, I'm not sitting here trying to advocate one way or the other for how people do their personal lives, but that's why that mandatory disclosure is required by both sides 
because there's a lot of things that may not be disclosed uh, through the mandatory disclosure of the petitioner, that's the person filing, as a, that would then be able to be disclosed by the respondent, who's the person that got served with the petition. But they have 20 days to file a response, and sometimes they get a little extra time because if they're caught off guard, they may not be able to respond right away, or if they're out of town, they may not be able to respond right away. So they're, sometimes we work with each other, especially attorneys, on trying to give each other extra time if necessary to respond to the petition for dissolution of marriage. There may be a need for what's called a counter-petition for dissolution, and there can be several different reasons for that. If there's a piece of property that needs to be subject to a partition action, you may need to file a, a petition for dissolution, a counter-petition for dissolution that includes a partition action, uh, which would require the sale of that residence if the other party didn't ask for the sale of it. Uh, one part, The other party may want it to be sold to try to get out from underneath the debt or just to liquidate to get the cash out, especially in economies like we're dealing with right now, which are, are very stout economies. Some, some parties may need to sell to cash out. It may help them get through the divorce process better. But that's one of the reasons why you may need to file a counterpetition. Well, then the initial petitioner becomes what's called a counter-respondent. They would then be placed in a position of having to file a response to the counterpetition. They have 20 days to do that. Okay, folks, we're starting to add up all of a sudden. We're now two months into, potentially into the process and have barely gotten going good because of the time periods that are authorized statutorily and within the rules for purposes of initiating and following through with a divorce proceeding. So in paperwork alone, we can be two months deep before we actually get going good on the process itself. That is one of the biggest reasons why divorces take so long. It's not the only reason, though. One of the other reasons that we have that, that deals with why divorces take so long are the parties themselves. Probably 70 to 80% come into my office, they want this thing over with yesterday. But then by the time they're finished telling me all of the issues that we're going to have between these parties, it's not going to be done yesterday. It takes a while to get through and answer all of these issues. And they are like, well, we don't understand why it's taken so long. Why can't we just do this? It doesn't work that way. I have to be able to properly prepare it and present it to the court, which means I have to have proof of part of what they're telling me or proof of the allegations they're making. Just because they tell me something is so doesn't make it so, and I have to be able to prove it. So, again, we need documentation or testimony from other parties, and I mean other parties, I'm talking about other witnesses that might support their positions. Also, as we get into the divorce, there's a lot of times where it's represented to me that they have a settlement already. Yeah, not so much. Uh, that doesn't happen all the time. It happens of the ones that tell me they've got something settled or, or got the whole case settled, I would tell you at least half of them don't really have it all settled. Uh, they'll come in a week later, well, uh, we've got a new issue to deal with. And two weeks later, oh, we got another issue we got to deal with. And they may not put it that way. They're saying what the actual thing is. I'm, I'm trying to condense it for purposes of the broadcast. But that simple divorce has all of a sudden turned into a very unsimple process because the clients 
or uh, and I'm talking about the singular client in a particular case, have have either raised new issues or created new issues, yet they still have trouble understanding why it's taking longer. Well, every time they do that, that is another problem we have to deal with in the development of the case. Uh, sometimes those issues are very substantial issues, including abuse allegations. If there's DCF involvement, that's Department of Children and Families involvement concerning their kids. Uh, if there's any law enforcement involvement because of, of domestic violence. Again, all of these things we have to wait on those agencies then to investigate their aspects of it that may have a direct impact on the divorce. And in fact, the court system's not going to go forward a lot of times with them until those things are completed. So just because the client says they have the case settled, oftentimes they don't. And a lot of times they may think they have it settled, but the other party has changed their mind or never agreed with them to begin with. Uh, there's some of them that say, oh, well, this should be real easy. It's settled. Well, no, it's settled in their mind, but maybe not the other party's mind. And that becomes a real problem then because we prepare a settlement agreement even before we file the petition sometimes for them to take to the other party. And that really causes a blow up because the other party starts reading it. It becomes very real to them. And all of a sudden, nah, I'm not agreeing to this. Well, that changes the whole complexion of the case. And how it's got to be done. And even the petition itself will probably have to be redrafted based on a representation of what it was presented to be at the beginning, that it's now not uh, materializing itself to be. And there's a number of different things that can cause problems with settlement agreements, all the way from timesharing with kids to houses to personal property. Uh uh, one party may have jewelry and the other one guns, and they don't agree on the valuations. The retirements are usually a big problem and how that's going to be split up. Those are all things that it may seem real simple to your client coming through the door that turns out not to be so simple because the other party says, time out, let's put the brakes on this. I don't agree to those things. Well, now it's coming into a regular lit litigious or litigated type case that's going to take more time to develop to be able to figure out the overall distribution of those assets uh, that the people have acquired or the time sharing that the people are going to be dealing with for their kids. And you notice this time I'm actually making sure I avoid that nasty word called custody because our court system really doesn't like to use the word custody anymore. I've got more of this to talk about after the break. You've been listening to Talk Radio 96.7 FM and 1430 AM. Welcome back to The Legal Legal Show. This is your host, Tony Dodds. I'm an attorney here in Lakeland. The number to call in is 863-682-1430. That's 863-682-1430. The number to contact me at my office is 863-688-2389. That's 863-688-2389. We've been trying to go over today why divorces take so long, or at least the perception that they take so long. And we've talked about the amount of paperwork that's got to go into it. And we've talked a little bit about the parties and, and their um, problems that can arise that can cause issues with why it takes so long. And I want to go into more of that uh, during the next few minutes. Some of the things that parties seem to think are so easy are not so easy. 
Uh, we can have complex issues even in a divorce case, and one of the easiest things is, or one of the most complex issues is, may come off as one of the simplest things to them is the sale of a house. If the parties have a house that was acquired during the course of the marriage, it is a marital asset, and there's other things besides that that can factor in, but I'm just kind of using the generic 101 version for an example here. And it, it's determined that it needs to be sold and either the proceeds split or at least the debt's gotten out of them. There, one, you have to figure out a valuation on the house to agree to sell this house at. Uh, and a lot of people say, well, that's easy. No, it's not. Uh, one evaluator may say it's worth 425000 and another one could say it's worth 350000 Well, that's, seven, that's $75,000 in difference. There's got to be a way to determine how we're going to figure out a valuation for sale, then a, a, a valuation that it actually sells at. In other words, you can have a listing price and a selling price. You have to figure out who the listing agent's going to be. Uh, the parties may not want to agree on even who does the listing. Uh, closing dates, sometimes that can be an issue based on when somebody needs to be able to be out of the residence uh, for the other parties or for the people buying it to be able to take possession of it. Uh, some other complex issues that we have to deal with. Uh, the big one of the biggest one is child time sharing issues. Uh, that that is an emotional issue for both parties. Uh, one party may not want the other one to see the kids as much. It could be just pure retaliatory because of some infidelity. Uh, it could be just they hate them so much they don't want them to see the kids. And it, it, they got to get over that. It's a matter of letting the kid, people both see the kids, and it's a matter of figuring out what's going to work best uh, based on work schedules and actual functionality with the kids for the timesharing. Uh, splitting up of assets and debts. That can be really complex, especially uh, when we're dealing with retirements. Different types of retirements are a real pain to, to try to figure out split-ups on. Um, I will not do any more quadros for the rest of my time as an attorney, and I, I'm just going to tell you that right up front. I, I've had to deal with some quadros, particularly from a, a local grocery-based chain <laughs> that's out here. And while their retirement system is fantastic for their employees, doing quadros for them is something I don't ever want to do again. And it, yeah, Quadro is a qualified domestic relations order for folks that don't understand what that is. And it basically is an uh, ability to be able to split out or divvy up parts of retirement between two married people uh, to where the one party that is not in their name, part of that goes over to the other party uh, based on a, an equitable distribution of their assets. Equitable doesn't necessarily mean equal, but it is, means equitable, whatever is equitable under the circumstances. And so those things can make it much more complex as it would relate to fixing the assets and debts, even ascertaining all the debts. You may have student loans in one party's name that are not in the others, but if it was acquired during the marriage, it is still a marital debt. So getting clients to understand what may be so simple for them is not necessarily so simple for the attorneys and the court system and the proof and documentation has to be presented in an, a, uh, an ability to try to help the court make its determinations that it ultimately has to resolve for the parties. 
The next thing, and this is something that I'm trying to tread lightly on a little bit, but I want to make it really clear, can be a real problem. Some clients are much more difficult to represent than others. Uh, they either don't understand why they don't get their way on everything. Um, I'm going to tactfully address something that an old attorney who's now deceased, some of you may remember an attorney by the name of Dick Mars. Dick would tell, and please don't think I'm being sexist with this, but he would tell his female clients uh, that there's one thing he could not deliver to them. And everybody's probably waiting with bated breath. I'm going to put this in as tactful terms as I can. This is not the language that he used, but it's tactful radio terms. He would tell them that he could not deliver the lower section of a male anatomy to the female as part of the divorce proceedings. Um, Y'all can kind of read between the lines as to what he really said, because Dick was pretty much very forthright in the way he delivered his statements. But the long and the short of it is there's some things we cannot do within a divorce proceeding that maybe you've gotten to the point where you hate the other party so much that's what you want. Well, that's not the way it works within the court system, and we can't do those things. And I refer to that to my clients a lot of times. I'll use Dick's old terminology and, and tell them, and I can do that in my office. I can't do that here on the radio. But the long and the short of it is is that clients need to understand just because they want something doesn't mean they're going to get it. The divorce court is a court of equity. It's, it's, while it's bound by laws, it's a court of equity under the old common law. And I, I'll do a whole show someday on common law versus uh, regular law. And under the common law, uh, the court of equity, there's the court of law and there's a court of equity. And in the court of equity, the courts would sometimes do things that may not necessarily be legal, but they were what they felt was right under the circumstances. It's a little different now, but while the court of equity is bound by laws, they also have a lot of leeway in how they interpret those laws in order to do equity for the parties that are involved. So as a result, just because you want something does not mean you're going to get it. It's up to the court to do it. And the court has a lot of leeway in these cases in how to fashion what they consider, or consider to be equity. Uh, now, the next part of what can cause major delays on cases is the attorneys. I do not like to over-litigate any divorce case whatsoever. I don't think it's healthy for the parties. I do not think it's healthy for their kids. Um, some attorneys are way more litigious than others. And when I mean litigious, I mean they are going to file every pleading that they can on a case to try to run up a bill on the opposing party or on their own client. That's how they make their living. I choose not to practice law that way. I try to do it under a set of standards that I feel comfortable with to where we have enough of the uh, actual discovery on the case, meaning the the client of the other party's information and our own client's information to where I feel like we're not going to be in a problem later on with something not having been disclosed and not having been dealt with within the court system. Other attorneys, they will not complete the case and they keep trying to fish for things that may not exist simply to try to over litigate it and or run up a billable hour on and I, I'm not going to sit here and name names. That's not what my point is today. But what happens in those cases is I have to adjust my own 
retainer and fee structure if I know one of those attorneys is going to be involved in the case. Because not because I'm going to over litigate it, I have to prepare to answer the over litigation of the other party. So as a result, those cases can take longer and drag on longer than a case that involves simply uh, two attorneys that get along well, that both have similar ideas as to how a family law case should be handled. And I will tell you the vast majority of the attorneys that do this type of litigation in Polk County are of a similar mindset to me. They don't try to over-litigate the case. Uh, In fact, I work well with almost every one of the attorneys in this county, with the exception of a couple. And we're able to get things done on the cases and get it to a point of resolution. It's still not going to be to the client's liking of how long it takes, but it's much better than if it's with one of the others. And so I'm, I'm trying to say that we have a very good group of attorneys in this county, by and large. And as a result, yes, it still takes a while to do because of the, all the built-in mechanisms. It'll only become increasingly long because of certain attorneys if they're involved in it. And as a result, I do have to charge more on certain cases simply because of those other attorneys and the litigation that occurs as a result of them. We'll go into the last pieces of the puzzle after the break. You've been listening to Talk Radio 96.7 FM and 1430 AM. Welcome back to the Legal Legal Show. This is your host, Tony Dodds. To call in, the number is 863-682-1430. To contact me at my office, the number is 863-688-2389. That's 863-688-2389. We've been talking about why divorces take so long. Uh, all the way from the volume of paperwork required, uh, the party's interaction with it, the attorney's interaction with it. Uh, During this last few minutes, I'm going to talk about the last two aspects that can increase the amount of time involved, but it can also help, or at least one part of this can actually help with the decrease in the amount of time involved. Uh, The first part of that is mediation. Um, If the parties cannot settle the case amongst themselves, meaning between the two litigants, and even with their lawyers being present and helping out through either an informal mediation where it's at one of the attorney's offices, or just the two parties trying to sit down and talk it out and getting it figured out and giving the lists to their attorneys and a marital settlement being uh, done, if they cannot figure out a way to settle it, the court is going to order in most cases, almost all cases, mediation. And that is done... uh, with a Florida Supreme Court certified mediator in family law. We have several in this county, all the way from former judges, uh, lawyers, former lawyers that are still licensed, but they are just doing mediation, uh, to regular certified mediators, people that are regular folks out in the community that have gone through the necessary training and have the experience to be Florida Supreme Court certified mediators, And what they do is, without playing judge uh, or without playing advocate for one side or the other, they try to find common ground between the people, maybe in a different approach than the two attorneys were able to try to do, uh, to get them to agree. In other words, one party may give up something on one issue but get something on another issue. They, They kind of bounce ideas back and forth between the folks to find some common ground. And, and even if the people are not able to agree on all issues, they might be able to agree on some issues. Uh, they may not be able to agree on the timesharing with the, the kids, but they might be able to agree 
on the division of the assets and debts. Well, that's huge because you're going to get a, a much quicker hearing date with a judge uh, because your amount of time that you're going to need to deal with just the one issue and the issues that come off of it is going to be a lot less than if the whole case has to be tried. Um, so if the part, or if they can figure out the time-sharing arrangement, but they can't figure out the asset and debt issue. Either way, it's a huge savings. If they can settle everything, that's fantastic, because then you're only talking about probably a 15-minute final hearing. Those are The judges are more than willing to accommodate trying to work those in so that the jurisdictional testimony can be taken and the agreement, which will be typed up and signed by the parties, uh, and it's filed with the court, can be ratified and be made part of the final judgment, and the case is over then. So that, that aspect, while mediation can slow it down because it's a required step in the process, it sometimes can actually make it go faster. But you do have to coordinate the date and time and technically location, but generally it's at wherever the mediator is willing to do it at, whether it be their office or one of the attorney's offices, uh, between the mediator as well as the two attorneys and the two parties. So that can sometimes cause it to be a month, month and a half, two months out, depending on the parties and the mediator and what can be figured out time-wise. But generally it tends to be more of a time-saving issue Again, if the parties are able to agree to part of it because it will cut down on the amount of time necessary for the actual hearing, which then makes it easier to find the hearing time to do it. It's quicker to get a four-hour hearing than it is to get a two-day hearing, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Uh, and so it's faster, makes the whole process faster. So if the parties can agree to something through mediation, then of course it's going to help make it go quicker in the overall process. They, that being said, a lot of people go, well, that, how's that longer? Again, I, it, sometimes the coordination of that mediation can extend the process slightly, but overall it tends to be a time-saving measure. I love having cases go to mediation. I would say that if the cases I have go to mediation, at least 50% probably settle. The parties are happier because they've been able to fashion their own uh, agreement uh, we used to have a judge in the family law division who's also a friend of mine, and I've heard him on multiple occasions telling the people when he would refer them to mediation, you really should take this seriously and try to work it out because you're going to be much happier with whatever you figure out than what I tell you is going to happen. And he would look at the parties and he would tell the woman, I'm probably not going to, you know, I might figure out it's more equitable to give your husband over here your entire jewelry collection and give uh, you his entire gun collection. You may, and that's going to be the order of the court, whether you like it or not. But that may be how I have to do it to form equity. So if y'all want to keep those things, figure it out. It's better for you because you're going to like the outcome better. You had a part in it. If you're coming in here and making me do it, you may not like it so much. Your grandma's china collection that you got during the marriage may not be yours anymore. It could be the other party's. So... It was his way of trying to tell people, you need to try to figure this out. You're going to be happier with your resolution. The next part of the equation, and it's really nothing against our judges. I'm just telling you that we have five in Polk County, and all of our they are part of the reason that sometimes cases take a long time to do. We right now have five really good judges, and in fact, for the last several years, we've had really good judges in the family law division. Uh, in order to keep these cases from getting backed up on their calendar. 
there have been times in the past where there have been backlogs on calendars, and I'm not going to mention names of who those who those former judges and past judges were that the calendars got backed up. But the group we've got now and even the group that we've had over the last several years, and they do rotate in and out from time to time, have been really good about staying on top of their dockets. That being said, they still have a docket to run, and they have a calendar to coordinate. They do have to do domestic violence cases one day a week, each one of them. There's five divisions. There's five days in a week. So on Monday, we have one judge assigned. On Tuesday, we have another one judge assigned. All they do that whole day is domestic violence cases, dealing with injunctions uh, associated with domestic violence, and then there's some other things. But that is their docket for the day. So that leaves them four days to the week to do other hearings associated with their family law division. That can include case management conferences, pretrial conferences, and actual hearings, which are either full day based on or two days, depending on how what kind of issues are involved in the case, or it could be 15 minutes if it's a settled case. But that's a docket that has to be run. There is only so many hours in a day. And as a result, when we're setting final hearings in front of these judges, we're having to coordinate both attorneys' calendars with the judge's calendar. And as a result of that, that can cause a delay in the case. It's not necessarily the judge's fault because they may have earlier dates that are available, but it doesn't fit with one of the attorney's calendars. But that is a reason for why there can be delays in it, though, is trying to find common dates that will work for both attorneys and the judge's office. Uh, And as I've said again, and I want to make this perfectly clear, all of the judges we have right now, and I'm not just saying this because I have to appear in front of them, I would tell you if we had a problem. We don't have a problem with our judges staying on top of their dockets and trying to get these cases through the docket because they understand that if it's an unhealthy relationship, it needs to be dealt with, and it's not necessarily healthy for the kids to try to keep these parties together at that point. It's better to have some finality uh, for both the parties and their kids uh, and let them move on with their lives. The more we keep them together, the more chances of there being a domestic violence issue arising occurs. And so our judges want to try to get this done for them in, in an expedious, expedious, yeah, whatever, fashion as is available, uh, trying to get it done as quickly as possible. There, let me dumb it down for myself uh, so that they can get it resolved and move on to the next one because there's going to be another divorce file tomorrow and another one and another one and another one. It's a fact of life, folks, that probably well in excess of 50% of all people that get married are getting a divorce. And then it exponentially goes up there time and time again. So they've got an ongoing source of cases coming into their divisions, and they're trying to manage those caseloads. But that is an issue, is just trying to get it docketed uh, for purposes of being able to try to keep the cases going and flowing and so now that we've talked about all of the reasons, obviously this is just a, a framework of the issues of why these cases take so long, uh, all the way from the paperwork, the service of process, the actual parties themselves, uh, the issues that can come up during the divorce that we've touched on a bunch of those issues, the attorneys that are involved, some of them are much easier to deal with than others. And when I say easier to deal with, I don't, I'm not trying to say they're pushovers, No. They're competent lawyers that understand the issues 
and they understand how to get through those issues without trying to throw up unnecessary litigation. Then we have mediation and then trying to calendar everything. All of those things factor in to why divorces take so long to be able to be completed. It's been a pleasure talking to you today, and you've been listening to Talk Radio 96.7 FM and 1430 AM.